Welcome to Culture Over Coffee, the Spartan Shields podcast where we talk about pop culture, new trends, and other news outside of the PV School District over a cup of coffee. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm Shreya Kerjaker. And I'm Nathan Wong. The U.S. has been experiencing a recent spike in hate crimes among adolescent populations. On March 4th, students from Orange County, California gained national attention after posting anti-Semitic pictures on several social media platforms. The students were pictured sea-hailing over a swastika constructed with red plastic cups. PV High School experienced a similar event when a student carved swastikas and Nazi propaganda into the side of a bathroom stall. We are here with the Jewish student, Junior Jacob Holland, and history and government teacher, Sarah Russell, to get their opinions on the issue. Students in California were seen sailing over a swastika made of red plastic cups. How do you feel about teens joking around about such sensitive topics and then posting them on social media platforms like Instagram and Snapchat? Um, well, I guess the way I would feel about it is that it's completely inappropriate and it's not something that can be joked about. And I, I think it points to a greater ignorance by young people today about, I guess, the appropriateness of certain actions. And I guess that also from a historical perspective, it worries me that maybe are we so far from World War II now that students just do not realize the significance of those kinds of gestures and the hate that they signify. Do you have anything to say? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I kind of, yeah, I agree with that. I just feel like uh, students are pretty far detached from historical um, tragedies, I guess, and that even if they're not directly involved in it, they should still have kind of a respect for uh, groups that went through that and things that happened and um, kind of a, a culture surrounding that, uh, uh, not, you know, being detached from it and not caring and just kind of taking it and using it as a joke and hiding behind, you know, internet anonymity and all sorts of things like that are kind of becoming a uh, increasing trend I, now. And I guess I would say this to kind of piggyback on what Jacob was saying is talking about culture. That's an excellent point because I feel like students start to make these jokes and they make them publicly if they feel like the culture condones it and like allows them to do it. So condones, accepts. Did I misspeak? No, you're good. Okay. But the culture is condoning it and ex- you know, like accepting that that's an okay joke to make. And I feel like where were there, like, why weren't there adults to say to these kids, like, you can't do that, that's not funny, you have no you know, understanding of why this isn't okay. And so I also think there's that idea of this kind of growing trend where kids do these things and then other kids see them and going with what Jacob said, the you know, ability to post things and the anonymity behind it is just this increasing problem. Um, so how do you think this compares to the other stuff that's happened at our school? Uh, I mean, it's really all kind of one and the same. Really, the kind of scale at which it happens, like, just because a picture was taken of it in California, you know, it doesn't make it any le- any more or less uh, kind of impactful or um, terrible than uh, what uh, happened at our school. And I- Teenagers. Well, and I guess one part of it would be the the whole internet, the idea that it went out, and even though it happened in California, we're aware it happened here. There were, I mean, what happened at our school was, I believe it was covered in the Quad City Times. I think there was an article about it. Um, And I don't, 
I don't know, I guess, why there wasn't more, I, I don't know if uproar is the correct word, but I mean, it's a, you know, like I discussed it with my husband, I talked about it with other, you know, adult friends I have who, are, who aren't teachers, who don't work here, just about kind of this disbelief that it happened and, and not, I don't want disbelief to be interpreted as like a naive disbelief. Like I'm not naive. I hear, you know, I've told kids not to say things at all. You hear things that you're just like, you know, you can't say that, right? And clearly they don't know they can't say it. And so, I mean, I guess I wish I could say I was completely shocked that what happened here happened, but I'm, but I'm not. And so I've talked about it with other people and other people are, you know, equally outraged, but why this didn't get kind of latched onto, even at a local level, I don't know. Again, maybe a reflection of society. Gotcha. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it was kind of, uh, I don't think it was dealt with uh, perfectly. I think that uh, the message was received more as, um, like not as a, strong as it should have been like I feel like it was kind of so I think that they just kind of you know see these things on the internet and just kind of think oh it's a joke you know oh it's a it's not a, a huge deal when in reality these things that they're saying they just don't have the uh, they're just kind of ignorant as to what it really means like you support the idea that they're like forwarding hate without necessarily being hateful people. yeah yeah what effect do you think social media and its anonymity, like you said, has contributed to the rise of hate crimes in general? Well, I mean, again, I feel like you see things on social media that because people can put stuff out there basically unchecked. And I think the other problem with social media is you have people who, even without anonymity, put things out there and people, you know, retweet it or they like it or whatever word I'm missing here on you know how they show their support of something on social media so um, so that I just think that's problematic because it allows something just to spread like wildfire and even if stuff I think sometimes too even on social media we see things that offend us and we forward that on to other people to like as an example of like something you don't want to see but it's still giving it that publicity it's still giving it that notoriety it's still out there and it's still going around and nothing on social media goes away. I mean, people have put out things that they then were like, oh, I shouldn't have put that out there, I'm retracting it. But in the meantime, someone's grabbed a screenshot of it and then it continues to, to spiral. Yeah, I think that, that uh, yeah, I think the big part is that anonymity. Anonymity. It's a tough word to say. <laughs> I think that's a big part of it, is that you just don't, you can't suffer consequences from it essentially you can make an account not using your real name not using uh, you know any of your information then no one can get it because of privacy laws and things like that and you can just you know send whatever you want out any kind of radical beliefs whether you believe it or not or if you're just perpetuating something that you saw already and you can just do whatever you want like send it out and have people share retweet a ton of other people that also aren't using real accounts and it just kind of builds publicity that way through uh, social media um, so, reporting hate crimes to the FBI is not mandatory, so why do you think people hold back from doing so? And like, uh, victims themselves, like many times, like hold back from reporting hate crimes to even like local police and stuff, and why do you think that is, especially in this day and age? I mean, maybe, 
I wonder, and not to like go on to a different topic, but I wonder if you can equate the lack of reporting hate crimes to the lack of women who report sexual assaults. Are you concerned that about victim blaming? Are they concerned that people won't believe them? Are they concerned that they'll face, again, scrutiny or, you know, on, on social media or be, you know, be attacked on other venues for speaking out? So you just wonder if people just don't think it's worth it because they don't want to have to kind of go through the whole experience again trying to prove that something happened to them. I, that's just, that's the first thing that kind of comes to my mind. I think they just met with like a level of skepticism that's just right. like way higher than it has been in earlier generations. Right. Yeah, and like kind of, it's so normalized that it's kind of like a minor offense, if you want to call that, call it that, but there's, it's become so normalized that it might not be as big of a priority to like the police or FBI as something else might be, that it might be lower on the list of yeah. to yeah, it's sad. It's, and yeah. it's, you know, we look at like, so I just finished discussing the civil rights movement with my freshman in class, but we talk about how all these laws, these legislations put in place to stop discrimination, to stop segregation. You know, we look at uh, like the, like equal employment, you know, for races and gender and all those things. But I mean, in reality, and we talk about this in class, in reality, it's really hard to prove you have been discriminated against, right? I mean, it's not like you pass these laws and everything's fixed and there's no discrimination. It's really hard to prove like a discrimination lawsuit. So I think that's also maybe a deterrent for people is this idea that, you know, if I'm gonna report this, like it's not like something's gonna magically be fixed immediately. I'm gonna have to be willing to fight for this and put myself out there. And if you're talking about adults, maybe involve their families. And so it's, I'm not, you know, I think instead of looking at how do we deal with people's like, how do we deal with it once people report hate crimes is how do we try to create a society that deters hate crimes or you know like instead of having to deal with always being reactive how can we be more proactive as a society that this is not acceptable like not only is it not acceptable because you're breaking a law but it's not acceptable because this isn't how we treat people and i know that's way too idealistic and pie in the sky but that's how i would look at it yeah it's kind of like so you said the thing about like being more proactive than reactive. So right. it's kind of like when, like Parkland happened, then it gave it got all this publicity, and it was all like negative publicity, like towards the shooter. But then the, but then the rate of, or the number of shootings afterwards still went up, even though it received negative publicity because it like got publicity in the first place. So it kind of made it go up a little. Right. I mean, yeah. Again, we we there's so many emergencies and crises in this country that we again we just react to react to and we don't always even we maybe react to it through the media and react to it through our emotions but like we don't necessarily react to it legislatively and then so how can we you know and I know it's hard because we're always trying to solve problems that or react to problems but and we think when we look at diversity and we look at hate crimes and we look at hate speech and things happening or the incident that happened here it's like, what can we be doing as a community to prevent these things from happening in the future? Any other comments, Jacob? Uh, I, yeah, I like what uh, Nathan said about how it became normalized, kind of. I think like on a high school level or like in a community scale, a lot of times there's just, you know, you can, you know, people will say things, you know, uh, just like off, 
jokes that like you know they like just like joking around but like you know that have you know that basis in anti-semitics or any sort of other racial things that have just become so common that you'd be reporting a hate crime three hate crimes a day you know if you were to report all those things and so i think it's changing the culture as a whole rather than doing it on a case-by-case basis because uh it these you know beliefs and these things they're not explicitly derogatory they're always just you know, they've just become so commonplace and so normalized that even, you know, the people, uh, like the victims of, you know, these uh, slurs or hate crimes kind of don't, uh, don't report them because it happens all the time, every day, and they just don't see it as uh, often as something that's, you know, a huge deal because it happens to them all the time. And I think, like, you bring up a great point with students. I think students sometimes think because they make a comment that could be construed as kind of prejudice, but they're doing it as a joke, in front of their friend who is of that race, ethnicity, religion, that if their friend doesn't call them out on it, then it must be okay. And that's just a really unfair statement because if all of your friends are, you know, demographically different than you in that one area and they just make jokes, it's probably, it's a lot, I mean, students have told me this, it's easier just to, to just laugh it off than have some confrontation with your friends and then risk losing your whole social group. I mean, that's, that's huge. We can't put like the responsibility to change the system on like victims, so to speak. Like I think that's just complete baloney. I'm gonna say baloney on our podcast because, <laughs> but I mean it is because kids have said that. Kids have come to me and said, well, I mean they're my friends and they just think it's okay to say it and it's really not and it really bothers me. But I mean, what am I, you know, I'm like gonna stand up to my friends and say, hey, this has not been okay, and then deal with the fact that maybe it's gonna be awkward or they're not gonna want to hang out anymore. And so. I think we really got to think about that. Yeah, that's kind of like the smaller scale version of why you wouldn't necessarily report every hate crime because you have to go through all this hassle and then there's a process and then you risk losing stuff right. for for a yeah. relatively small gain because if you have like an argument with your friends, I mean, yeah. And I'm not saying you can't change your friend's minds through like conversation, yeah. but you're right. You're risking, you're putting a lot on the line for maybe a very small gain. And personally, it just may not be worth it. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming out. Is that okay? Is a good part at the end? Please don't delete it. Please don't delete it. This episode of Culture Over Coffee. Thanks a latte for listening. We'll be back soon with more tea.